0: We have faced giants, we might be facing giants today, but we're gonna talk about facing a giant and how to overcome him. As long as we're in this world, we'll be facing him. I hate to tell you, uh, I wish I could say, you know, as soon as you become a Christian, you'll never have another giant. Now you'll just have the ability to beat up on the giant. Uh, you have the ability to get ahead. You have the ability to win. And that's what God's uh, developing in you. He is developing in you a giant killer attitude. Now, you might not like the, the training, This thing kind of gets old at times, you know. But I want to tell you some of the victory is worth it all. Some of your giants may be sickness. Some of your giants may be financial lack. It could be marriage problems. It could be a number of different things. But I want to tell you, each and every person has a giant that they have to face. As we look at the giants that we slain in the past, they look real small compared to the giant that we're looking at today. The giant that we're looking at today looks so big it just almost overwhelms us. He's... He's huge. tall. He's big. He's broad. He's wide. We can't go around him. We can't go over him. We can't do anything. We're facing this thing and we're looking at it. But I want to tell you something there is a power that we haven't tapped into and that's Jesus Christ. He has the ability and gives us the ability freely. All power and all authority has been given to us in his name. Now, When we face a new challenge it reveals in us our strength. You know, History tells us that people have wars nations have wars back here uh, you know that for a fact that we'll have a scrimmage with some nation to just see what their technology is it's not an all-out war it's just a scrimmage Uh, we have scrimmage football teams uh, games and stuff like that so sometimes we're in scrimmage to see when the real battle comes how we do sometimes we're not too lovely sometimes we didn't do real well with this small giant but when the big giant comes we will be equipped we'll be there Ready for it, some five years ago, things seemed really big to me at the time on some areas of my life. Today I think, man, that was a small little giant compared to what I'm facing today. We all have to look at it. But if we're walking close to Jesus, if we're walking close to God, He will protect you from the giant that you have not the ability to overcome. But also, He will give you the ability to overcome one that you're needing to face. But There's a key, you have to be walking close to God you have to be walking with him, and he'll give you the grace, he'll give you the ability, he'll give you the wisdom to overcome the giant, if you're walking close to him. We think of giant killers, and we immediately think of King David, or David as we knew him then. They was undoubtedly the most famous giant killers in all the land. And you know, last week I was talking to you about the very sword that Goliath was going to cut David's head off with. David pulled out a Goliath's uh, scalbert and cut his head off. It says... David killed Goliath with his own sword. So evidently it the wasn't rock, the rock must have just have knocked him out. I never did realize that until I was studying on this. But the point is, what Satan meant for evil, God will use for good now for us. So you never, when you're facing a battle, you say, oh, it's a terrible battle, it's awful. I'm not discounting that. But God will use it for your good if you'll trust Him. So today we're going to look at three characteristics of a giant killer. Now I want you to use the back of your bulletin and you can write it down because it's important that you understand because you're going to be facing a giant at some point in time so you just soon win the battle. There's no need to lose a battle. God doesn't get pleasure out of you losing battle. He gets pleasure out of you winning. So don't think that God is against you. He wants you to win the battle. And he's not sending you the, the giant either. Satan's doing that. So the first characteristic of a giant killer is the fact that he's faithful to his calling. David, if you'll remember, he was tending a few sheep, his brother said very mockingly to him. He said, oh, uh, you know, you just have a few sheep. But he was faithful to those few sheep. It's why he was obeying his father, serving him, that his father sent him to the battlegrounds to see how the soldiers was doing. And his brothers were all in the service. And so his father sent him over there. Now, it wasn't anything that David did wrong. He didn't do anything wrong to have to face a giant. The giant was just there. And the giant was trying to take his family and the nation. Remember that. Not only was he trying to kill his brothers, he was trying to take his nation, which would kill his father and his whole family. I want you to turn to 1 Samuel 17, verse 17. I think it's interesting. In verse 25... Uh, just while you're turning to it, the men, the soldiers said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he's coming up to defy Israel. In other words, David had never seen the giant up until that day, he had never known what was in the land. So his obedience to his father got him uh, exposed to the giant. Verse uh, 17, verse 17. Then Jesse said to David, his son, Take now for your brothers this roasted grain, and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also these ten cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousands, of their thousand, pardon, and look into the welfare of your brothers." Now there's something interesting here. Just underline it, it's a good Bible study. Take this cheese to the commander of their thousand. So it tells me that there was at least a thousand men there. And I think there was more, because he was commander of a thousand. they break them down. One commander is in charge of 1,000. Another commander is in charge of another 1,000. Saul, evidently, his commander was chief over all of them. But here we see that David's brothers were in Saul's army, and that they were involved in uh, this uh, skirmish, because nothing had happened yet. They just knew that this old boy is going to come walking up there, huge giant, as some people say is nine foot tall. He's going to come up there, and he's going to tell them off like he did uh, the day before. And so they just asked him, have you seen this guy? And they all shook their boots. But the way we learn to defeat a giant in our land is through faithful service to the Lord. David went, as his father asked him to do. And he was under authority of his father. Faithfully serving is one of the primary ways that we can beat the giant down in the kingdom of God. By being in authority under someone gives us that protection. Years ago, when I did shift work at 3 a.m., I would get off at 11 o'clock at night, I'd come home, I was, I'd worked a 12-hour day, I was exhausted, and I'd come into the house, and I'd, I'd see a car out front, I think, I'd hope it's the neighbors, uh, across the street, but sure enough, there'd be someone waiting on Paige Joyce and I, or waiting on me for, to get home. And they'd have serious problems. and. I learned at that time, it didn't happen every day, it happened occasionally, but I learned at that time how to cast out demons and how to see miracles break out in people's lives. And I didn't realize that God was training me for this position here today that I have to every day be on guard being ready to kill another giant because giants pop up, see. And so I, he was training me back then. Now it all seemed small to me back in those days, what I did, I mean it's very small things happen, you know, I could tell you all sorts of war stories, but uh, sometimes it scared me until I shook in my boots. But the point is that God got me through all those confrontations of Satan. Now some of you are faithfully serving the body of Christ, but I want to tell you something, no one is thanking you for doing it. You get up and you you go and you do it and you, you think, no, nobody knows what I'm doing. I'm just praying, I'm interceding for somebody, they don't even thank me for doing it. Well, uh, Luke 10 10, or 16 10 tells us, that he is faithful in the very little things, is faithful also in much. So if God has given you a uh, assignment to pray for someone, that's great. See, he might give someone else another assignment. You remember the widow that she only had two coins throw in? You know, the other guys give out excess. You might not have a ministry compared to Reinhard Barkey or Billy Graham or somebody like that. you know. But the point is what you're doing is more important than maybe what Billy Graham is doing. See, I'm not putting Billy Graham down. I'm just saying don't give up on that small task that God has given you to do. Because that will put you in position to kill the giant because God is killing a giant for you. You're not killing him yourself. Thank God for that. For a number of years our son Bill, uh, he's sitting out here but he and I, every Sunday morning, we'd get down into church uh, about 7.30. Uh, we used to have a church down body shop down here on Fisk Avenue, it's right next door to Texas Bank. And is a huge old building. Uh, it's almost, um, what is it, a full block? Long. And they made us store our chairs in the very back of that building. And not only did the chairs have to be rolled back and forth um, for every service, they parked their cars in front of it. They put stage props in front of it. They put wheelbarrows, you name it, was in front of her chairs. Every Sunday morning we had to roll all those chairs, or get the stuff out of it, and so we could roll the chairs. And we only had about two cars, so it uh, it just was a real problem. Not only did we have to put chairs out, we had to put out the sound system, we had to roll a piano around out there, uh, you had to sweep out the crickets. Um, I don't know why the crickets were so bad, but every year those crickets just come in there by the hundreds. And nothing's worse than trying to pray and hear this Cricket out there chirping, whoop, whoop. you know. I'm, I'm not a cricket, but that's that's kind of what he had. I mean, you can visualize that thing. And you see some little kid sitting there, and he was, his mama was tapping him on the shoulder, and he's trying to kill that cricket that was crawling around his chair. saying. Now, it was great. Every Sunday we had to do that, and no one thanked us. And Bill said, "You know, this is, you know, why does somebody else do it?" And I said, "Well, there's just not anybody else." But you let the Something be wrong there. Let, uh, let's run out of paper in the restroom, and someone would tell you six times. Say, did you know that this one cleaned this morning? Oh, we've been down here for two hours trying to get that thing clean. But the point is, that was a big giant for Bill. And it would rise up on me every so often, to be real honest with you. I mean, it, it'd kind of get my lunch. But God always says be faithful in the small things and we'll and he'll make us be faithful in the big things See, so we do the little small things and we get into the big things and never knew we got there now, if we're faithful with a small amount of money someday we'll be given a great deal of money but we're still faithful we never change you know if you if you have trouble being faithful with the hundred dollar bill that someone bestowed upon you and hopefully you earned it or whatever uh, If you're faithful with that, then when the thousands come along, you'll be faithful with the $1,000 bills. It runs that way. So God watches our faithfulness, and he looks at it, and he sees what we can do with what little we have. Now, I was reading where the people that win the lottery are having to go back to school to learn how to handle that kind of money, because disaster overtakes them. They can't handle that kind of money. Every problem that you can conceive of, I was reading some of the examples they gave, and it was amazing, uh, it was unbelievable what all the things happened to those folks because they got a bunch of money. See, so well, they hadn't been trained. They didn't know how to handle it. So now the world's saying, we've got to train you how to handle that money. A lot of people in the body of Christ have trouble carrying out orders, though. This is where the trouble is. They have trouble carrying out authority uh, that people have given them. Sometimes it goes to their head. Sometimes they abuse it. Sometimes they drop the ball. Some, you know, but we're learning on the small things in life to kill a giant later on. We as Christians should desire responsibility far more than we should desire power. You know, some people say, oh, I just want the ability to lay hands on somebody. And then wham! Boy, they'll hit the floor. And you know, Boy, you know, but I want to tell you something. If they're not real careful, it will go to their head because every time they touch that old boy, they see a miracle, and they think, you know, I'm getting pretty good at this thing. See? It gets off, you know, disciples, you know, they had their problems. Uh, they they got pretty powerful. They was walking along. Uh, John, I guess James and John was walking along, and the Samaritans didn't receive Jesus real well. And guess what they said? You want us to call down fire? See? Now, you know by that, those guys had the ability to call down fire. They wouldn't have seen, or they wouldn't have said that. But Jesus rebuked them. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. So the point is, we've got to watch that power that we have. We've got to be faithful in the small things. You know, he's the healer. He gets the glory. So, back to David. You know why David could kill a giant? Because David had been faithful to watch over those few sheep his brother told him about. And while watching over the sheep, he killed a lion he killed a bear. Now, he had some practice. It wasn't just breeze out there every day on that field. He had to do some things that weren't lovely. Now, before God will take us into something greater, we must learn to be faithful where he has planted us. This is important. We have to be faithful in his service. The three keys there are loyalty, faithfulness, and responsibility. We have to be faithful to what God has called us to do. Now, it might not be big. It might be just interceding for somebody. But if we do it one day and then we, oh, I don't think I'll do it uh, tomorrow. You know, I'm tired. I think I'll go fishing or whatever. Then we get off track. Now, I want to tell you something. Everyone says, oh, I'd love to be in full-time ministry. You know what kept me from getting in full-time ministry sooner than I did? God said, so what do you do with your free time? When when you take a vacation from 3M or FMC, what are you doing with it? Are you in a full-time ministry? That's sobering. No, I wasn't. I did some. He said, "Then when you're free, what are you going to do with your time? See, are you going to be in the ministry? When I had freedom, I wasn't. See, this is what I'm talking about, folks. We got to be faithful in the small things. Now, I'm, I don't want you to get a disillusionment. I, you know, I, I caught on very quickly after he told me that. That's when I started really working, because then I take my time off and, and do things of God. But." It, it really got away with me. I had not thought about the fact that I wasn't working when I was free. When the job was over that day and I got to come home, I wasn't in the ministry. I was looking at trying to do some farming or something. But the point is, David discovered the next step of destiny. While he was faithfully doing the small tasks his father asked him to do, because of that, he went from feeding his father's sheep to killing a giant. So he, he did something at his surroundings caused him to do in many ways. David killed that giant in front of thousands of men. Now that was interesting that those men shook and quivered in their boots. There's plenty of room today for more giant killers in the kingdom of God. God's wanted every one of you to be a giant killer. We could have Jesus come back real soon if we could all get in the mode of killing giants. We'd get our work done go home. We need to be faithful to what God has called us to do, no matter what it looks like to us. Second characteristic of a giant killer, they see a potential reward for killing the giant. Now, that may sound selfish to some folks, but that's not selfish to expect a reward for killing a giant. All through the word of God, he promised rewards to the overcomer, you remember? This is not me telling you, this is what the Bible says. To those who overcome, is laid up for you. Okay, don't get so pious that you don't, oh, I want a reward. Yeah, I do too. I want a big reward. I want an eternal reward. I love that song. When we've been there 10,000 years, it'll be like the first day. Praise God, I'm enjoying those rewards. It might be rougher than a cob down here on the earth, but I'm going to enjoy it up there. All through the word of God, though, he tells us, that were to cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. Then the kingdom of God can come to you. David asked the men, what will be the reward if I kill Goliath? Look at verse 26. We'll see what the reward is. We're in 1 Samuel 17, 26. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine or this giant and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised flisting that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Okay. They answered him. Look at verse, back verse 25. The last half of it. And great riches. Uh, or, pardon. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches. And will give him his daughter and make his father's house free from taxes. Okay. Man, what a deal. So what I'm saying is the giant killer's reward overshadows the pain of having to go through it. If you can ever see on the other side of killing the giant that you're facing today, it's worth the the trouble that you're going to be going through. If you have marriage problems, to have a mate that truly loves you with everything in them or her, it's worth it to pray and believe God to get through that problem. Now you don't kill him or her, you kill the problem. See, I wanted you to kind of think on that Sometimes we'd kill her mate and think the problem's gonna go away. No, that's not the way it is. You know, you have to look at the problem that's out there facing you. And you have to be objective to see what, why Peggy Joyce is doing what she's doing. And sometimes that takes a lot of study. <laughs> but the point is, we love her through it, man. You got the battle won, so you killed a giant. When we bur- built our first radio station, people would come to me literally day after day, and they would tell me, you cannot build a radio station like this with that kind- with zero amounts of money. We didn't have any money. If we ever bit of money we had, we paid for the... Uh, uh, the transmitter in the tower. We didn't have any more money left. There's no way to build that thing. They'd come and tell me that. Now, I want to tell you something. <clears throat> it was very interesting and laughable at the end, but they would say, you cannot, build, you cannot build a radio station with nothing. But after we got the thing built and got it up going, they'd come to me and say, I know we could do it. You know, <laughs> God is so good. He comes right through. I know we could do it. Well, the point is, I always one to say, where was we when we needed you? God is good. You know, but that was a giant in the land. We had a giant. We had no finances. But our actions have a greater impact on people than what you realize. They have an, uh, you know, we look at, it and we say, oh, we killed a giant. We built a radio station. No big deal. But it caused other people. We have people almost on a continuous basis come in here and say, man, maybe our church could build a radio station someday. It builds hope. It builds faith in people. People around us will get boldness if we accomplish something. Some of them, they start coming giant killers. We cast out a few demons in front of them and they say, hey, would you like to do it? We was over in another town and we had this lady, she put on a show that I have never seen in a long, long time, but we had some people there and they didn't really understand deliverance. And so we were sitting there and this lady did everything. It's a classic. You know, it's the kind that you read in the Bible where it throws them down and all that kind of stuff. Well, that, This is the kind of deliverance we was having there that day. In, in sauce. And so I said, would you like to cast out a demon to my Baptist friend? The expression on that person's face was, do I die immediately or does this thing take a while to die? You know, because it was a classic going on. You know, I mean, the person was just screaming bloody murderer, and that's when I asked him and so interesting enough I, he said what did I say I said you say in the name of Jesus you foul spirit come out and so the guy said in the name of Jesus you foul, you foul spirit you come out that went ah! you know like that got worse So say it again. Foul spirit, you come out. Boom! Like that. It came in. Boy, oh, it was. I mean, he. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, it, it happened. So this is what I'm telling you. You have to train people. You no, know, I was shocked myself. You know. <laughs> but there, any time that we're doing something like that, there'll be two emotions in existence. There'll be fear, and there'll be courage. Now, when you're doing something like that, you might be just shaking in your boots, but you don't say, I'm shaking my boots. You just say, you foul spirit, you come out. You, know, you override your emotions. You, you get a hold of the courage, and you say, God's word says that all I lay in my hands, on, prosper. I'll come out of her. And she was something else. But it's the kind that you read in the Bible. I don't think all the demons that Jesus cast out are written in the Bible. It says, John said if they were, then there wouldn't be enough room to hold all the books of the Bible. They just put the wild ones in there. So I, I said, I'll just tell you the wild ones. I practice like Jesus did. I, just t- they just tell the wild ones. I just tell the wild ones. And I never will forget this time. Years and years ago, this lady was in a lazy boy chair. And so, man, we'd been hammering at this thing for right an hour, and nothing would happen. The Lord says, tell her husband to lay his hand on her. So the old boy goes over there, and he just lays her, his hand on her. That lady came out of that chair and knocked him over, and she was sitting on top of him screaming just like a cat. I've never seen anything like that. Now, there's two motions there. Fear and courage. (laughs) Fear was, I wouldn't run too, because I knew what, you know, if she ever looked around, she might see me, you know. I've never seen things. She was a little frail woman. I mean, she wasn't big at all, and he was a pretty good old boy, you know. And I thought, whoa, that's impossible. So you just override fear, and you go with courage. Okay, number three characteristic of a uh, giant killer is that they learned to deal with their critics. Now, that's a corker. David had three critics. His older brother, his Saul, King Saul, and Goliath. David's first critic was his older brother. One that's closest to him turned on him and gave him just literally fists. Look at verse 28. Now Eliab, his older brother, heard what or heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David. Isn't that interesting? How's it? His own brother, anger burned against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep? Oh, man, in the wilderness. I know your insolence. Now he just goes on. His old mouth just runs off. And the weakness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. Now, this is interesting. See, do you see any actions on David's part anywhere up there? You don't. Uh, you don't find anything that David did to cause his anger of his brother to burn like it burned. See? But the point was, David was expecting his brother to say, "Boy, you you, know, you and, you know we're, we're going to have a covenant relationship. We're going to believe God that the giant will be killed. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. No, he turned on David. See? Now, the interesting thing is, he said, I know your heart. See, I know your insolence and the weakness of your heart. Ain't that interesting? The Bible says no one knows a person's heart. They don't even know it themselves. See how far off track that guy was? See what David's facing here? It was a terrible situation for David. He had someone that he was expecting to grab him and embrace him and encourage him and pray for him. And the guy starts telling him off. See? And, and, and it, nothing is worse than having some critic like that. Now, I want to tell you, there is the worst problem. Look at verse 29. It's the continual critic. See? What have I done now? Oh, man, what, brother, what have I done now? You know, I can just see David saying that. You know, man, it, you've just been on my case all the time. Every time I turn around, brother, you're on my case. Have you ever had a wife that's on your case all the time? I'll do marriage counseling Monday through Friday if you do. <laughs> and there's a stack waiting ahead of you, so I'd, I, if you do it, just kind of mumble it. No, don't say anything real loud. She does have 20 and 20 hearing, uh, so. (laughs) That's why I didn't go in the medical profession. Now, there's a difference between telling someone a truth and and being supportive of them. See? The critic is not supportive. This is what this scripture has shown us. He's not supportive of him. He's been critical, but no support. Now, you can be, you can help the fella, you can help the lady or whatever by telling him the truth, but you've got to be supportive. You've got to stand in there with him and build him up and encourage him. Being critical uh, of what God is calling us to do, though, really tears us down. You know, it makes us want to give up. Oh, forget it. We didn't want to do it anyway, see. <clears throat> when God called Abraham, he said to Abraham, get out of your country and leave your family. Now, sometimes, folks, we're going to have to leave our family emotionally. When Paige Joyce and I, uh, left my mother and dad, my dad and mother came after me with both feet, and so did the whole church. One guy said the reason we're upset that Jack and Paige Joyce are leaving, they were the only tithers in their church. <laughs> now, that wasn't hard to leave on that, but the others was, why would you leave a sinking ship? That's what they said. The church was going down at the time and it is is a dead deadwood church. It wasn't a living word, and so it was a dead word. Um, nothing was going on and people was leaving, see. But the point was, they really come after me. And I told my dad the Q Spay Joyce being Baptist, get me over there and the Baptist Church get me saved. You know, he accused her of that. And I said, that's great. I said, I was the one who was listening to the radio. She wasn't out there in the car. I was listening to the car because there wasn't anything going on in the church. I was sitting out there in the parking lot listening to the radio. And this guy said, have you ever asked Jesus Christ in your heart? And I thought, uh uh-uh. I've never done that. Next Sunday I get out there earlier and I turn the radio on and he gives an altar call. And I thought, I've never done that. You know, i never come down to the altar. I joined the church. I never asked Jesus in my heart. So I go out there. Uh, and tell my family, I said, I love you all, but I'm going to go down to church, First Baptist Church, and I'm going to get saved. And you thought I'd committed a carnal sin. You know, they weren't near as supportive of me. In fact, they told me, we won't get to see you no more. I thought I'd work with you every day. Why don't you get to see me then? Say, you won't be sitting with me. My mother said, oh, man, you know, it hurts. Say, God told Abraham to leave his family and leave him. So David's second critic was King Saul. King Saul did not have the proper view of David. He looked at him as a young man. He looked at him as uh, untrained, unskilled, and so forth. He didn't know that David had defeated the lion and the bear, That's more than any of his other men probably have done. Or they should have been out there. Really, it should have been King Saul out there uh, taking Goliath's head off because he was taller. The Bible says he, King Saul was uh, head and shoulder taller than all the rest of the men. So it should have been Saul out there, but he wasn't. He just offered him his equipment. I thought that was interesting. The equipment that fits Saul was so big on David he couldn't wear it. And he couldn't even move with the stuff, you know. And so he's out there you know, with a slingshot. So time that we've got to do something for God, we've got to get by the criticism that Satan's going to put on us. When we get a calling of God to do something, I guarantee you, you'll hear everybody in the country telling you, you're going to miss it, buddy. That can't be God. You don't have any money. How are you going to make a living? You know, all that kind of stuff. But if it's ever going to be worthwhile, we've got to get past the criticism. And stay faithful to God. After all, if God recognizes the heart of a giant killer, even though we might be shaking in the boots, he will whip us to be able to kill a giant. See, it's, it's him that's doing it. I imagine David, knowing that slingshot, he might have let that rock go way out here and it just came around like that, see. You know, angels had to bounce it off his hands like he had to get the thing to go straight. And who knows? But I'm just saying, the point is that God is the one that aimed that rock. You can't wind up a slingshot and hit that acrid, I don't think. I never had one, but I, I'm not sure. As coordinated as I am, I'm, I couldn't even get it to go out that way. I watch my little grandson. And he, he's going to throw a ball sometimes, and he looks like it's going to go way out here. <laughs> the scourging part, of it fell right here. You know, and he looks all around, and then he comes up here, and it, you know, he tries again. But that's the kind of way that I would be if I had a slingshot. Not, no telling where that rocket fall. But David's last critic was Goliath. Okay, when the, verse 42. When the Philistines looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy with handsome appearance. We're in 1742. And the Philistines said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Ain't that interesting? His gods. That, 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 he won the battle right there. You get some old boy cursing you by his gods and his gods don't work. You know, if you want to win a court case, you just get the old boy to deny Jesus and you got him made. Uh, Goliath despised David his ruggedness as a youth. He despised his looks. He despised his size. He despised his spunk. And he's ready to whip up on him. We can't wait around, though, till our critics quit criticizing us. We can't wait around until Saul quits criticizing us. We can't wait around until Eliab quit criticizing us we can't wait or we'll lose the battle for sure so we have to keep taking that criticism but we just put it over there and say well they've never killed a giant they don't know what they're talking about or they quit somewhere in the middle way and they never um, they never carried out the commands of the Lord you know God this is your calling that you put on me but then there's a fourth critic that comes up and that's what we hear in our own head (laughs) you can't do it buddy you don't know what you're doing you know what all you've done in the past, and you remember the times that you missed God? You remember the times you thought as God, and you spoke to everybody and told them as God, and then it, it fizzled on you? Man, this is the next time, buddy. You're fixing to lose it all. All the respect of those folks. They're not going to follow you. They're going to see through this stupidity of you, thinking you're going to build a building out here. And they're going to look through the second radio station. They're going to see through that thing and say, you're just a dreamer. I had those thoughts. I don't think I'm the only one. I give those thoughts to the advisory board. And <laughs> they say, how are we going to do it? And I said, I don't know. If it's God, we'll make it. You know, And we make it. Thank God. I, I really thought many a time, and I'm being real honest with you, I think sometimes I'm missing God, and God just makes my wrong right. Yeah. I really do. Hey, just assured of it. <laughs> But there's three characteristics in the life of David. Number one, we've got to develop faithfulness right where we are. We've got to be a servant to God. Secondly, we need to overlook the hardship causes um, because it will stop the glory that we'll receive. So we don't look at the hardships. We just look at the glory out there when we reach our destiny. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now you can enter into your rest. That's my goal out there. Thirdly, refuse to allow criticism and condemnation to hold you back and put down all the thoughts of fear. That's what you've got to do. Then you'll become a giant killer in God's kingdom. Then we'll have life and life more abundantly. That's what Jesus came come to give us. He gives you all the power and all authority. All you have to do is use it. All you have to do is speak it, honestly. Uh, you do a lot more speaking than you can not do in the physical. But there's a parallel between kingdom living and the rewards that David received that day. Back in verse 25, it says, The king will enrich the man who kills the giant. Okay? Jesus said, I come to give you life and life abundantly. He said, I'm giving you life abundantly if you kill the giant. Okay? Secondly, what does he give him? He gives him his daughter. Man, we get a family of God all behind us. And the father's house is free of taxes. Oh, man. Prosperity. I'd like for someone to pay my taxes. Wouldn't that be great? But there's good things. And then you'll have a crowd of people that will really get excited and be giant killers too. Because back there, it tells us about how when he killed a giant, look at verse 51. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath and killed him and cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Isn't that interesting? The enemy fled. Verse 52, and the men of Israel and Judah rose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance to the gate. Isn't that interesting how they rose, they shouted, and they pursued? Because someone become a giant killer. Folks, we need to become a giant killer here. We need to cause the people in the congregation to see that we can do something. Invite them to come along and be in deliverance with you. Man, It's exciting. Young kids that um, you're begging them to come to church, if they ever see one deliverance, they'll be back in church every day because they saw the power of God. You know, the church that are dead, they don't cast down any demons. They don't raise hands on the sick. You know, sometimes we lose people as investors when some old boy falls over hits the floor. They think, did he die? He came up for healing. He died right there. I don't want them praying for me. (laughs) Well, there's no one laying here after several of them hit the floor this morning. There's no one dead, so they didn't die. But you better think it through. What what happened up here? I'm going to tell you. The power of God will change you and change those people. See, the last day churches. It says they'll have a form of godless, deny the power. That's pretty well what you see. And I'm not putting another church down. I'm just saying they don't. You know, I got one pastor. I asked him one day. I said, "Do you believe in demons?" Oh yeah. I said, "You cast them out?" Oh no. <laughs> No, they send them down here. (laughs) They really do. Uh, But the point is, there's a goal out there that I want you to start going after. If you don't get anything out of it this morning, I want you to think, what is my goal? What is my goal in life? What am I going to do in the kingdom of God? Set your mind to it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your love, for your commitment to us, for the fun of serving you, Father. It is a privilege, it is an enjoyment to serve you, Father, because, Father, we can walk around knowing that all power and all authority has been given to us in your name, and so we know that we're going to win on the end. We know where we're going to go because, Father, you said in your word that we're headed out that way, and we're going to make it. And so, Father, we're not going to be fearful, we're not going to be uptight. We give the glory and honor this day. In Christ's name we pray, amen.